Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting can be scary. And kids are definitely creepy. Oh, Father, forgive me. Father. <laughs> hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. This show is almost called Mummy and Father. Mm. Until we realize there's some low-hanging fruit there for us. <laughs> if we go the Deddy route. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, it's Mummy and Deddy. We're here. Mm-hmm. And we've we've missed everybody. We we've had a bit of a a, a break, really. Um, a not, sabbatical. Yeah, not planned. But um, we're kind of just trying to figure out our new pace now that life is full tilt back in, to the max. In session, it mm-hmm. is it is very much happening, and I feel like we got we just got to figure out. Um, what we're going to do going forward. And I think it's going to be a monthly thing. Yes. Um, And we're just sorry for the long gap, but like we're just managed it. We're here with it. Listeners. Yeah. We're not, we're, we're not, uh, we're not going away. We just, we're probably, you know, do something on a monthly, we'll announce it. We'll have a, we'll have a big uh, announcement of what the plan is, but yeah, for now um, here we are. Here we are. And you know, we knew if we we're gonna take this kind of a break, we'd have to come back with a bang. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh, we have been really sitting on this movie, sitting right atop it for, I mean, two years or something. Like ever since we first started talking, obviously this was a movie that was right at the top of the list. You know, it was really um, we just didn't know when to. You don't know when to let it out of the cage when you're going through a list of movies like this when do you let out the exorcist yeah it's it's a big one it's a bit of an albatross (laughs) you could say it's a uh we wish uh maybe this movie had never been made and we couldn't we wouldn't even have to deal with the problem of when do you do the episode about the exorcist and that would have been really great for us yeah i love to talk film discuss to critique you want to see a film with me <laughs> this out that's actually audio it's crazy it's like shocking that's audio from our conversation about starting this podcast that was but weirdly is it was carol who delivered that line that's in true. our conversation yeah good good tape there good, yeah good for you for getting that mm. um yeah, weird little clip from The Exorcist, but true, yeah. true. <laughs> Most of the clips that I pulled are from that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, So how are you doing, Josh, before we get into The Exorcist? Mm. I'm doing okay. You know, it's been a, it feels like it's been a time, a 
I don't know why this spring all of a sudden what there's a lot of like fun stuff ahead with summer and everything else but this has been a a stressful spring unexpected stuff popping up and whatever but I also mm. feel like there's been a lot of um I think just something about like looking down the road though to like a lot of I just like change and stuff coming for for us feels very um daunting i think is the word Mm. i'm looking for maybe or some i'm it's just uh i feel very kind of like top of the roller coaster right now or like mm. descending the hill right about to descend the hill because um we are looking ahead towards like we was finishing kindergarten and then we have a lot of summer travel and um i've been working a lot so i'm kind of like excited to have like a bit of a break because usually I don't go from job to job to job. Um, So yeah. You're like earning that vacation right now. Yeah. And that always feels good because there's plenty of times where I don't work before a vacation and then I'm just stressed out the whole time. Yes. Oh man. I just had flashes of our um, beach house vacation when, when Boo was a baby I was so stressed out during that vacation. Oh, yeah. That's right. You were. And it's <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm glad that that's not the case, but I'm sorry that you feel daunted by it. I'm I'm excited by all the travel up ahead in the, in the summer. That I'm excited for. We've got a nice stretch of vacations planned. And it's been my icebreaker for everyone lately is asking them what your summer, what their summer plans are. Mm. And I feel like, I'm not doing it to then divulge my summer plans because then when someone flips the question back to me, I sometimes forget besides the immediate upcoming trip to Myrtle Beach Mm. in the early summer. But we've got a lot of awesome stuff planned because it's also like a big anniversary year for us. It's our 10-year wedding anniversary this summer. It is my 40th birthday this summer. Um, We are also going to be scattering my brother's remains this summer in July, and we're trying our best to make that into um, a a little bit of a vacation and keep that positive. And, um, oh, I mean, a piece of that that I think will appeal to our listeners. Oh, yes. Yes, is on the our we're spending, I think just a night in two nights. Oh shoot, yeah, two nights <laughs> in the uh in what is the Twin Peaks hotel? It's the hotel from the opening yes. credits of the Twin Peaks television show. It's a baller hotel in the Snoqualmie Falls region of Washington State. Yes, yes, um, yes. Catch us there, really living it up for. I, two days with our children. Yeah, and that's the part that is like has me a little bit nervous because it doesn't seem like a kid friendly place, but I just don't care. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about I'm it. Just like, I don't give suck a it. shit. Yeah, yeah, they. It's like I'm. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just looking forward to just soaking that up. And yeah, like there's not. I don't think there's a pool there. There's like it's just like a nice. Yeah. It's like a spa hotel. Yeah. There's a lot of spa amenities that look exciting. And like, and like a nice restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know what? Nobody said oh no kids. <laughs> Nobody said kids weren't allowed. So so they're coming. <laughs> Jokes on you. And guess what? 
they are older kids who have tantrums, but we'll get into that later. Mm, <laughs> nice tease. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's like what I think about. But that's just anxiety. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what I'm got. Like, I think that the stuff that I'm when I say that, like, I'm like stressed out ab- about stuff, I do. I can't help. I'm low. I'm looking too far down the line in a sense. And I'm skipping over all this fun stuff in the middle and I'm looking past it and thinking about like, uh, TK and first grade and, you know, and like yeah. the, and the, the, how quickly the summer ends, you know, like or how quickly the school mm. year starts. We talk about that a lot. Cause when we talk about scheduling all this stuff that inevitably comes up. So it's like, yeah, that's true. Like you're, you're, 40th birthday bash weekend mm-hmm. like school already be back in session back in session which is really weird to think about but um you know they say they say that anxiety and excitement are really like just the same thing that's certainly how we feel about it it's the same thing but you convince yourself like as you get older okay this is this is a bit of a, a stretch but along those lines um over the years, Boo has really enjoyed listening to the Peter Pan soundtrack from the Mary Martin, mm. right? Mary Martin? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, the Mary Martin Peter Pan version. We listen to that soundtrack, and it, like specifically with Boo. Okay, so there's a line in there that has stuck with me through thinking about like anxiety and excitement and just you know, how you deal with that as an adult. And, uh, and it's like, um, I won't grow up. Don't want to wear a tie and a serious expression in the middle of July. And if it means I must prepare to shoulder burdens with a worried air, I'll never grow up, never grow up. And I think about it all the time of like, am I shouldering these burdens with a worried air when like there's no reason to it's like you don't have to approach like we all have burdens and like worries and stuff but like to to approach that i don't know it's like it's really stuck with me and it's like you know thinking about summer vacations they they are trips really like there's only a few in there that are like vacation vacations that like we really have nothing to do but like a lot of it is family stuff a lot of it is like trips rather than vacations Mm -hmm. um like i think our anniversary trip is probably like this like the only one that's like pure vacation there's like really no responsibility no agenda no agenda no other people involved besides us yes because i mean that's it like we're we're very much looking for like our myrtle beach thing which is all with with your family is like very much feels like a vacation coming but there is also those pieces of like we gotta get there and mm-hmm. that's a, it's a long way away yeah. from where we live. It's a complicated, yeah, like you know, there's just those things that those sometimes eclipse the full on week in between or the fact mm-hmm. that then we will be in an airport on your birthday on the yes, back indeed. end of the trip is also like a thing that's hanging there as like, and sometimes yeah. you can get stuck on that. That's one okay. can. It's all good. Um, I know, but I I think about it. Some, you know, I'm yeah. Just like, well, well, we're gonna be shit. there for Father's Day. 
Be there for Father's Day. Yes. Um, but but Bahai yeah. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just like making those things special. But then, yeah, I think about it, and it's like these are all good things. Why am I? Why am I like approaching it like such a stupid grown up? Yeah. You know. Totally. And um, so that's kind of my my takeaway with our summer um our summer vacation is that we should not approach our our burdens with a worried air. We yes. should just like. Approach it with some ease and joy. Yeah, it's like you're gonna have those things, but like, why, why, like, make it worse? Um, Oh, I have one other one like that that is also in the summer. I found myself the other day. It occurred to me, we have woo signed up at like a different summer camp thing, like every week for a bunch of weeks that we're when we're here. (laughs) And I was like, the whole time leading up to him, I was like, this sounds great. Cool. Like, yeah. Do you like space thing, robot thing, sports thing? Like do all the, do all the camps. That all sounds good, you know? But the other day I found myself all of a sudden thinking about that, like, oh, I'm going to have to pick him. I'm going to have to pick him up and drop him off at a different location every week. And I'm going to have to think about that. And it's like part of the way. And I'm just like, why am I even spending mental energy at first it was just it like occurred to me as like oh that's interesting and then all of a sudden i was like damn is that gonna be like a thing like is that gonna be a you know like i'm gonna go the wrong place to pick him up because i was there the week before forget you know what if he hates it what if he hates it (laughs) sure that's a whole you like there's all of he won't but i think he's gonna be happy to mix it up that's my hope and again this is me in that moment but i could just as easily have slid back down the other direction and been Mm -hmm. like yeah, he might just, he might hate it and isn't summer about just laying around and do, you know, it's like, no, first of all, the answer to that is no, no, get God, out there, no. do some organized fun stuff. Cause I even remember as a kid hating being like, like when summer got boring at yeah. points when you're just like, oh, I don't have anything to do. And even mine and my friend's schedules aren't lining up or I have no way of getting there or mm-hmm. whatever it might be, whatever the issue was. And like, you don't want that. No. Just just keep mixing it up, I think, is is the move. Um, yeah. It's all right. I had a stress dream um, a couple nights ago about the color palette of the outfits that were gonna wear for the family photo in Myrtle Beach. So like we're doing great over here. Yeah, yeah. It's all <laughs> it's all right there at the surface, which it's is where you good. want it. Yeah. <laughs> Summertime. The living is easy. It's gonna be one day. Um all right, but we have we have a lot to talk about. So oh my let's God, let's jump do. in. I, I do have a quick little recap pulled up um for The Exorcist. Now if you haven't seen The Exorcist I'm really not quite sure what you're doing here because like it seems like this is something that the Venn of of everything of it you should you should have watched it by now um and if and if you somehow have avoided this movie it seems like it's like a like that's something that you have to kind of reckon with like you find yourself here listening to this podcast but you haven't watched it like that <laughs> you're you, this like far this is, like 20 minutes in this is a point of pride for you i guess like you're trying to prove something to everybody but that's right you're like well i've never seen the exorcist and you're like okay cool like right guess what it's not it's it's whatever hype you've built up built up in your mind like you're gonna be either disappointed or or surprised. Or surprised. Yeah. It's like 
um, watch it, go watch it, pause this, watch it. Um, but I will, I will do, I will, as is custom, yes, please. I will read a recap because maybe God I haven't watched knows, it in years, you know? It's true. That's true. God knows we don't have time to write recaps. No, we turn, there's no time. We turn to a database of them. So um, I have to tell the you that movie database. the recap movie database. <laughs> I have to tell you that there are so many recaps of this movie. Like, um, you got Nick, Nick Reginus is here. Gary KM CD is here. Oh my god! But a classic. And they're both of theirs are are pretty pretty terrible. Um, but we have a newcomer. Oh, J, um, as in just the letter J, abbreviated could be anything. Beautiful, a rookie, a young buck. Yeah, J Sperling, Sperlin, and I just, I just have to read this so, so badly. So, um, bear with me here. Okay, real chef's kiss, J (laughs) Sperlin. A movie actress taking up temporary residence in Washington, D.C. has her troubles. He has her troubles. <laughs> she's having the troubles. Oh, she's got some troubles. Right here in Georgetown. Um, the script for the movie she's filming seems inadequate. Oh, okay. <laughs> her ex, who was also the father of her adolescent daughter, Reagan neglects to call the girl on her birthday this is a true fact this did happen in the movie we're trucking right along (laughs) um and the attic has rats oh my god (laughs) this person really missed the point will the exorcist return in the exorcist too (laughs) (laughs) okay meanwhile because that's all that needed to be said about yeah, the first act. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Father Karras, a priest and a psychiatrist, is losing his faith, semicolon, and he's dealing with a sick mother who needs needs medical care. He hasn't the money to provide. Mm. Another priest, the old and ailing Father Marin, has just returned from Iraq with forebodings of evil. Okay. <laughs> These three persons meet when? (laughs) (laughs) Like, this takes such skill to write something this terrible. (laughs) These three persons meet when the sweet and cheerful Reagan turns foul-mouthed and violent. In short. (laughs) Foul-mouthed. But her sickness is beyond the reach of a medical doctor or a psychiatrist. What Reagan needs... Is an exorcist. Dun dun. <laughs> I just. Uh, anyway, that that recap is dedicated to all you people out there who have never seen The Exorcist. So good luck to you making sense of this movie with that recap. <laughs> Max von Sydow reports it is hot in Iraq <laughs> and dusty. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Um, so, uh, it had been a while since we had seen this movie, but we both had seen it before. We both had seen it, and I actually did watch it for the first time with you. But granted, yeah. we've been together for a long time—almost, mm-hmm. well, not quite twenty years—but we're getting, we're, we're knocking on the door of that, which is very fun. Mm-hmm. Where, um, 
that's one of those ones that we watched, I feel like, early on where I was just like, oh, yeah, I have actually never seen that movie. Yeah. And you saw like clips of it and things. We realized that we saw some terrible cut of it. We had seen the, um, the, the re-release. The re-release. The version you've never seen before from like 1998 or whatever it's called. Which is, I didn't, I didn't appreciate what they did to that. I, it did. I did almost want to rewatch it after rewatching the original for this show to see if it looks terrible because I, mm. it was the, you know, it was digitally enhanced. It yeah. was one of those things where like they added some stuff to it using computer technology. Right. But mm. it seems well received regardless. If you just watch the regular one, you can still find either of them wherever you're renting your streams. Yeah. So whichever one you watch, you'll, it's, it, there are some significant changes, but also some insignificant ones. Yeah. Did you find on this viewing, did you f- like feel the same way about the movie or did you feel differently now being a parent i feel like this is Mm. this is like kind of the crux of our our podcast really but like so did you did you feel differently i i did and but it wasn't as much about no i guess it was i think i did i think i did see reagan a little differently on this viewing Mm. and in terms of like who this kid is and in terms of what that would mean as as a parent i didn't as much like it's yeah i didn't as much like tie in what ellen burston was doing as the mother with like what it would be like to be a parent or like the absentee father i wasn't thinking about it from that perspective but i was thinking about Ray, reagan as a human being as like a fully like fleshed out living person yeah <laughs> in a way that that's i don't think true. i did the first time around was more like okay like you're a prop to get us to the gross out stuff right that's true because i think what this movie does and why i really didn't like it before but now i i kind of like saw the genius of it this time mm. around is that it really takes you through what would you would really do what you would re- step right. by step in almost excruciating detail mm-hmm. because um so much of the movie leading up to her actual you know possession is well first of all in the beginning it's like such a classic like you know evil force entering the home thing and yes. just going k- kind of really like f- just not unnoticed but like ignored and um brushed off you know it's you're seeing it as the viewer you're seeing you're hearing you know her going into the attic to like try and figure out what the noises are and like you know yeah there's all of these things happening but anyway once reagan starts to change and she takes her to doctor after doctor and then it's like test after test and the tests are include like a spinal tap and like a yeah, horrible horrific shit ho- like oh, horrible things like that is not ever done in movies where like yeah. much to our chagrin where we're like you would never do that like oh your kid's possessed oh you're just going to like immediately call like it 
or like leave it, them alone somewhere or leave or them whatever. alone like it sets up it sets up so well how she gets to the point of agreeing and asking for an exorcism yeah. that you believe it and then and what i really like about this movie which i never cared enough to um to like give it this credit but what i what i really love about it is that it is the devil and it wins like it is not ever mm-hmm. thwarted it kills father marin it kills father Karis, mm-hmm. and it just leaves in his body but like and it sets it up for i mean i haven't seen the exorcist too but like there's just so many little things in it that make you and i'm sure this is why people were like losing their fucking minds when in the 70s when it came out is because you're watching it and you're like anything could happen because this is the actual devil yes and this and it's not because at one point right when father Karis comes to her for the first time and like flicks holy water on her Mm -hmm. and she's like you know seething and like you know twisting around on the bed and then he goes out of the room and he's like that wasn't holy water it was just water like this is like this is some this is not um like a this isn't real basically right right and i love that i love that so much because it's all such bullshit like they even say in that like Mm -hmm. in that like um panel of doctors when they suggest the exorcism they're like you could try this not because exorcisms are real and we think it's a demon it's because psychologically the person being possessed thinks it will work and thinks that it's real yes it's a it's a site it's a show it's a whole facade and so like the whole that whole part of it is so brilliant like yeah and had never been done and i and i haven't read the book and i haven't you know i don't the the whole tie in with like the you know the statue in iraq and all that it's just like really too much like there's so much of it that's just like ah what place does this have in this movie but everything else about the movie is so brilliant yeah um concept wise i don't always love the actual like way that they do it but i did yeah i had a i had a much deeper appreciation of like the the ideas behind this movie totally yeah and i've um my the thing that's changed my perspective on it watching it now and why i had suggested to finally like pull the trigger on watching it now is because i had been listening to the audiobook of william friedkin's mm. autobiography um and it's and so like that was informing a lot of i listened to all or most of the exorcist portion before we watched it so then it was cool to kind of see it Mm. put together and watching it again from that perspective and you're watching for like oh this effect like how they do that and stuff like that yeah which was really fun but it was interesting to hear like a bit about like some of those things like well why this was in there obviously some of the stuff is like it was in the book or this is in you know um is it william Beatty is the baddie i now Mm. i forget the author's 
name because it's right at the top of the thing. Um, yeah, William Blatty, that's it, um, who wrote the novel. He even gets like a, you know, he gets a William Blatty's The mm-hmm. Exorcist in the in the opening credits because he did write it with William Friedkin. It was all, it was you know, and he was the one who brought Friedkin in to do it. But talking about how some of the stuff was like in there to make it eerie and to make it like, yeah, like have you just like disturbed this force or like is this even Mm -hmm. you know just sort of like what is um but like yeah that even the whole thing with father karis's death the end as it's supposed to be that it's a sacrifice that like the viewer is supposed to see that he he made the ultimate sacrifice to save reagan Mm -hmm. and that that's supposed to be sort of more of like the spiritual heart of the movie than Mm -hmm. And the author wanted there to be more of that in there mm-hmm. and freaking didn't want it. And so, but it was cool to watch it with that in mind. And That's I think- interesting. Cause I thought that the point of that was that, cause this whole time, like he's lost his faith Yeah, and he is struggling the whole, you know, before they ever meet, he's just like one thing after another, he's um, saying that he's going to stop. Mm -hmm. doing this he's um he like turns his back on the homeless homeless guy guy in the subway like he's he's bad priest bad dad bad father yeah bad father (laughs) this is a bad father movie um and i saw it as like the the whole thing was never about reagan it was always about claiming his soul it was Mm. always about like a way to like basically you know it's like having his soul in the balance and like the devil wins, you know, of like. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but I guess it was no. I mean, that's cool though. It's that's a good. That's like such a, and I think that's what more what Friedkin wanted was it to have to be more ambiguous, and that you could mm-hmm. interpret right. it in different ways rather than it just being this like, yeah, more like direct mm-hmm. battle of good and evil. And there, there's a couple interesting things from the book mm. that i feel like mm. i want to talk about i want you to um, talk about it. and the fun thing was it was an audio book and so it was easy and also this audio book is out of print and so i found Ooh. somebody on a reddit thread that was giving the you know the files away in a wow. google drive link so nice it was all and it was all ripped from the cd so it was all very easy for me to pull audio from for this very podcast we'll listen to a couple ex- excerpts from it and, and talk about some things um, so one of the main things was like, where did this story come from? Cause besides the fact that it was a best-selling book, the book itself was based on a supposedly real case of an exorcism from like 1949 mm. and Blatty was a student at Georgetown. And when he was there, he he found out about this case and wrote the exorcist based on it and supposedly talked to, um, it was a, a, a young boy. I think his name's he went by like Robbie Doe or something like that. That was, mm. you know, it was a fake name, but he, he did find the mother of this boy and talk to him or his, his aunt. It was, I think his aunt who lived, lived with. And, um, and you know, got a bunch of the details and agreed, and they agreed that he could write the book if you know if he mm-hmm. changed their names and protected their identities. Um, and but the interesting thing to me, like the thing that really kind of like um, gave me some goosebumps, was hearing 
like Friedkin's take on uh, and sort of like his corroboration of the story essentially because mm-hmm. he would he was spending a lot of time at, at Georgetown mm-hmm. researching it when they were writing the screenplay and so he met um you know he met a lot of like the priests and he was really intent on shooting on location he wanted it to be at Georgetown and have the Jesuits involved and all this stuff and so he got really close with I think someone who's ba- I think was essentially the president of the college at that point of like uh, father Robert Henley. And so this is like his, um, his account of, of getting to know him and, and talking to him about everything. I used to meet him in his office at the end of his workday and we'd share a glass of scotch. One early evening, he said to me, I've got something to show you. And he handed me a large cracked red cardboard folder tied with string. In it were 29 pages of typed documents. I glanced through them and felt a chill. These were the collated diaries of the priests, as well as doctors and nurses and other patients who were present during the 1949 exorcism. I felt that Blatty's fiction had the ring of authenticity, and reading the diaries only reinforced my conviction. I discussed their content with Father Henley, who told me that the church took no official position on the case. In fact, it refused to discuss it. But all the accounts in the diaries are replete with graphic, incredible detail. The diaries were compiled by Father Raymond Bishop, and they begin on March 7, 1949. The exorcism took place in a secure hospital room on the fourth floor of Alexian Brothers Hospital, later at the boys' family home, and then back to Alexian Brothers. The diary describes wrappings and scratching in the walls of the hospital room, furniture moving as though by an unseen force, the shaking of the mattress, sexual references to the priests and nuns, religious relics flying off the walls, agonizing shouts and screams that seemed to emanate from deep within the boy, curses, swearing, and diabolic laughter, as well as gyrations and physical strength beyond his natural powers, blood, scabs, and welts appearing on his skin, violent outbursts, and attempts to kill the priests, the letters H-E-L-L appearing on his chest, and these words spoken from the mouth of the boy by another voice and remembered by all the witnesses. Quote, All people that mangle with me will die a terrible death. Unquote. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Ugh. So you get handed this folder of here's the diaries and there's yeah. like corroborating evidence. And like what I love about it is um it, well we've this has come up a bit before with stuff like Amityville Horror and mm-hmm. uh Conjuring. Conjuring, which is all about mm-hmm. that couple's accounts of, of things. Um and like they're they're real they're quote unquote real accounts informing those films. 
and that's why they're so similar. Like to me, it was really interesting that almost all of the like extreme things in this movie are were from the diaries. Basically, it's like yeah. everything that happened was like something that had supposedly happened twenty five years before, and I don't know why that like. It's it's I mean just the fact that it's an academic from a from Georgetown University, the president of the of the university, yeah, sharing these documents and that there's multiple like witness accounts in there, and they're all saying the same thing is like exactly what the skeptic in me looks for if I'm trying to mm-hmm. discredit an account like this, you know, and so it is just a really it makes it i mean it just makes it extra impactful for mm-hmm. sure it's just like it's it's cool to know and I, and i'm also glad they didn't also kind of shoehorn it into the film or like force feed it to you like based on a true story you yeah. know there's not all, there's none of that it's like it's based on a novel yeah 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 i mean anybody who is is going to see like anybody who if if you're thinking that way about exorcisms, then you're you probably know about a lot of the documented cases already. You know, you're not like, yeah. well, this is a completely fictional thing. Yeah, this one's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not, that's that's <laughs> like true. It the whole reason why anybody has a basis of understanding is that there are cases of this. You know, mm-hmm. like, um. But yeah, that is that is cool. I mean, there are so many uh, fascinating accounts. I, there's a um, a podcast that I listen to that gets into um, a number of like really famous exorcisms, hmm. um, and it's not my favorite podcast, but it is. It's just like a wealth of all these. It's called Supernatural with Ashley Flowers. It's on the Parcast ne- Network. Okay. Um, and uh, like, it's not the kind of podcast that, like, you would. I don't know that you would recommend. I mean, it's like it, it's like just every week they do something of like UFOs or ghosts or you know it's it's all kind of it's all right. just kind of straightforward and kind of silly, but. Anyway, there's lots of really, if you're interested in exorcist, uh, exorcism tales, they have a lot of them there. But, um, but yeah, I remember this, the one about the boy and, uh, I didn't know that that was what, I'm sure they pulled from other cases too, but. Yeah. I mean, certainly possibly, you know, they talked to all these priests in. I mean, for the movie, not the book, but for the, I'm sure they, you know. I think a bit of both. And then having. In the real case, too, like the the boy got an Ouija board from his aunt for his birthday. Like that's how it all started. Yeah, those friggin' Ouija boards, man. Why uh-huh. did is Parker Bros? Parker Brothers. Yeah, man, those brothers. What's up with them? Why would they do it? The, Why did they make that silly old the thing? Devil Brothers? <gasps> Parker is an anagram for, for the devil. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's really cool. I'm so glad that you shared that because that was all news to me. Yeah, that's it feels very uh, like essential knowledge. And there were a few, you know, there's a few bits and pieces in there about it. There were, um, yeah, there were just interesting. Yeah. Like that. And a lot of obviously like 
on set stuff that was cool. But anyway. And the weird coincidence that you mentioned of the, of what this movie was, um, when it came out, there was a, a whole hot button issue going on. Yeah. You might say that. So again, the, the book was a bestseller, huge book. It was one of those, like it was, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't look up to see like how big of a book was it, but I think it was, you know, maybe not Da Vinci Code levels of thing, but it was mm-hmm. like one of those books like everybody read. Mm-hmm. People were, it, he, he was, the author was on talk shows and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Uh, and so it was very much in the public consciousness. So this is another excerpt from the book. Events in the country drew people's interest to The Exorcist before it was released. People felt they weren't safe in their homes because of the Manson murders in 1969 and the Supreme Court's ruling in Roe v. Wade in January of 1973 that a woman was entitled to control of her own body had been controversial. In The Exorcist, the child's body is not simply violated, it's invaded by a demon. These events were part of the public debate while we were trying to complete the film in an old studio on the west side of Manhattan. This is obviously, I mean, that's a small thing. There's not a lot of meat on the, in that quote, but it it really rang my bell because obviously I was listening to this in over the last few weeks when yeah. we received word that Roe versus Wade will be overturned by the Supreme Court. Uh, and with just with that, the idea that this that this film and the and the novel were shaping some of the public discourse around what um a, around the way people talk about a woman's right to choose is is just fascinating and it yeah, is interesting yeah. to look at it through through that lens and it was all just so present for us in that time it just felt like something that needed to be discussed where it's just you know like how um yeah the idea of 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 something asserting control. Yeah. Nobody should be forced to do anything with their body that you don't want. So take our word for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just with Reagan too. I think there is something about like the, the innocence of the child in, in this as well, that does feel like, um, that like you do feel the violation of it where you're like, Oh, you're ru- like you're ruined. This mm-hmm. is like taken something from you. There is a toll that's been paid for this because this is happened. Mm-hmm. And there is, um, you know, even just, I'm sure the idea of exorcism, I'm sure like just being in the, in the public discourse at the time, it was probably a pretty easy line to draw there mm-hmm. between between those two things just kind of like on the tips of everyone's brain yeah very very weird coincidence to have you know that's why i there's so many shows right now so many movies that we haven't seen i feel like our list is just ever growing Mm -hmm. and and yet i feel like you see things when you're supposed to see them Mm. um like uh, although I usually have a problem with like supposed to and stuff, but like, I do think that like you, especially when you're 
when you're thinking about like viewing things, if you're putting all this pressure on yourself to watch something or like, oh, I can't believe we haven't seen that yet or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. ever so many things that I've waited or like kind of kicked down the road so many times it it happens just when it needs to happen. Like right when you're like open to it or you're like it's coincidences. Like I just feel like that maybe I'm just telling myself this because I'm I'm stressed out by the amount of things I need to watch <sighs> that I need that I want to watch. Um, but there's just a not not enough time in the day for for everything that you want to do. Um, so so parenting, Josh. Oh, I've done it. We've done it. We've been doing it, doing it for like six plus years now oh my god um and you know i feel like i feel like the this movie has an obvious parenting topic to Mm -hmm. it but that might might not be true and maybe what i'm about to say is not what people think of with this movie but i do want to talk about it because we it's something that we've been struggling with um and and again it's funny because we prep for these episodes and uh, not very much, as you know, um, but <laughs> we do <laughs> when we can, when we can, we try and uh, not as much as we wish we could. Um, Truly. But again, with that, like you, you just watch things um, when you need to. Um, it brought up this topic that I feel like we may not otherwise talk about. And I feel like it's something that's kind of missing from uh, the the parenting podcast that I or the parenting like discourse um, thing. Right? I mean, yeah, whatever, whatever I'm taking in through Instagram or um, like podcasts and stuff. Um, and that is tantrums in older children. Yes. And or whatever you want to post toddler call it post toddler kids because and maybe I just need to kind of like reshuffle all my content but I I feel like we're at a point right now where um almost every other day one of our children is having meltdowns I guess you call them meltdowns now and not tantrums but just like complete either inconsolable sadness rage um disappointment at something mm-hmm. but it's like it's so over the t- i mean okay i'm not trying to invalidate their experience or their feelings but it is it is very um incongruent to the situation at hand their reaction is okay i'm trying to think of one thing okay so today this i feel like there were two big meltdowns sure today. yeah um at least um, and one was because I said that we were going to go for a scooter ride instead of first playing with the remote control cars. Mm, yeah, and that was your their mistake. <laughs> I mean, it was... You apologized un- and we moved on. <laughs> I felt better. Uh, but I think that's when Wu melted down and just like just really not inconsolable because I don't approach it that way. I try, I use the tools in my toolbox Mm -hmm. of like, of what you did with the toddler. However, 
that does not work anymore really because you said like you have to there's a different level of support that you need to give during these times and a lot of times it's both of them or you know if you have more than two kids like maybe all three of them and the older one like you kind of expect them to like shape up faster yeah, yeah there's like a get it together you, kind of energy yeah to it. and i know that part of it for sure is that i was not granted the, the mm-hmm. freedom to have these sort of meltdowns ever yes um and so it's triggering to me of like um oh for for, for instance you were um away last weekend uh at a disc golf tournament oh it was glorious um See, I and, didn't talk about that. I talked about my stress. That was a great weekend. Yeah, I, I yeah, I didn't talk about New Orleans. I went to New Orleans with my family. You're right. It's, it's all it's all lots of good stuff, but also lots of busyness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you were away, I I had to get the kids to t-ball, and everything was going so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. They were watching some cartoons i was making their breakfast i had had the snacks all ready to bring to t-ball it was my week to bring snacks and then like turns on a dime and and they're both losing their fucking minds yeah um and i find myself basically dragging boo into their room so i'm trying to tell him that it's okay to be upset but he has to do it in his room and i have to go deal with Wu, who's also melting down like it was not it was very messy yeah and yeah. probably didn't i know i didn't handle it the way i wanted to and there were some moments where i was like nope that's not right nope that's not. you know like really just mm-hmm. of like um battling out loud with myself basically of like like you are allowed to feel this way you aren't allowed to do this you you know like that yeah that, yeah, yeah like um and it's very stressful because then I, I feel, you know, you just obviously we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like get these things right. And, uh, and you know, we, we made it to T-ball a little bit late, but like we, it worked out. It's we not the there. end of the world. I also have an issue about being late for things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, amazed. It's the first time you've admitted that to me that you were late that day to T-ball. We were just like a little bit late. Like yeah. they hadn't started, started, but like. I want him to get there for like the warm up and yeah, like yeah totally you want to be able to settle in because that also can take a long time yes and you I want I that just buffer hate rushing the kids it's like they hate it too they hate it too everybody hates it and I just don't want to live my life like I don't want to shoulder burdens with a worried air or a hurried a hurried air no worried that, or hurried <laughs> that's an interesting one like the late thing I feel like that's been a good consequence to share with them because they also hate to be rushed is if I can say like, I know you guys don't want to be rushed. Mm -hmm. So if you can get dressed now, we don't, we won't have to be rushed if we can just like get out the door in the next few minutes. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we're going to be rushed and we might be late, you know, because they feel that stress. Yeah. Oh, I've fully, I fully passed on this. Like Mm -hmm. the fear of being the school might explode if you're, if you're not in it by eight (laughs) o'clock. So it's, um, well, but, I definitely don't want them to be late for school. Jesus. I mean, truants. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We covered that last episode. We did. Um, uh, <laughs> that was the last episode. I, but something else that you had said where, um, you know, this, the, 
you said this many episodes ago, but th- that one of your Instagram follows had shared um, where you, the things that kind of upset parents the most are the things you're denied as a child, right? Mm-hmm. That like, so that like that you were not given the freedom to yeah, yeah. express your emotions as a child means that like the idea of giving them that freedom feels like it it rubs you extra the wrong way when right. you want to just get them to you want to move past it because you're like you you yeah you you inherently even if you feel differently you don't have the tool like we're not given the tools right, to right, deal right. with it yeah. or however it is or like you kind of resent the like oh this is the part where like I look like a California parent here like mm-hmm. letting my kid lose their shit when I should just be like yanking them into their room and you know Mm -hmm. like yelling at them to stay in their bed or something until you know go to bed without supper kind of stuff oh yeah and like the oh gosh this is the thing it's like i i try for natural consequences but i feel like i i it just comes out as threats and i don't i don't want to have this like fear and control based Mm -hmm. parenting and that's like my main thing, right? Yeah. Like I don't want that. And you it really just really boils up of how much that was how we were parented. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't and obviously like I not I, I was not like abused as a kid. So like people are dealing with way worse than this, but like, you know, I I struggle with that, yeah, like that lack of control. Cause then it does feel like, Oh, everybody's out of control, including me. Uh And, but what I try to do with these meltdowns and it's funny. So bringing it back to the exorcist, it's like, you're talking about that, that case of Robbie Doe in 1949. And like, it's like a check box of like check, checking the boxes of like, yep, that's what a meltdown is. It's just like this really extreme version, but it's like, Uh like, like super strength um rashes appear on their bodies like i mean yeah yeah like literally our kids get rashes when they're freaking out and um and the strength is now as old you know post toddler i mean even when they're toddlers they're strong but now it's like oh you really hurt me you know like you oh yeah they can they can hurt you and like you and it also feels like it feels weird to do some of the same things I did when they were toddlers, you know, but because mm-hmm. holding that, because like the the idea is like, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you hit me. Mm-hmm. You can stop yourself or I'm going to hold you. And so like pinning a child's arms. Yeah, it's like a wrestling move. It's like a wrestling yeah. move. And, and especially like when you're at the farm, like we were today and you're having to like mm-hmm. carry Boo, who is kicking so hard. He gets, he gets uh i mean the the power of christ compels you boo. the power <laughs> of christ like you want to just splash holy water on him he's like rigid his body is rigid he's completely um nonverbal like they both will do this like eh, eh, yeah, thing we call and, it the cromagnon thing i'm yeah. sure yeah but i mean i i really feel like we cannot be speaking like a different language here than most parents are probably dealing with this. Like, I can't, I don't think that anything is wrong with our children. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not doing... worried about you. Yeah, like I, it's like, not to the, the, the place where I think like, Oh yeah, they have behavior, behavioral problem. issues no. that we need to go. Cause they are very address. Yeah. Like 
they come out of it. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes when you handle it in a way that you can be okay with, mm-hmm. <laughs> not even going to say proud of, cause it never goes that Very well. rarely, no. But, um, the other day, like woo came out of whatever friggin' possession, whatever, mm. whatever devil possessed him. And, uh, and he, and, and it really felt good. Like, it really felt like he, I was able to, you know, let him. So I guess it's like, okay, best case scenario, your child's melting down. Your, your post-toddler child is melting down. You let them get it all out. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you don't let them hurt you or I, I, I draw a line at like calling me names and stuff. I say like, you can be mad, but I'm not going to let you talk to me like that. Like, I think that there is, I I really do feel like there is something to that. And I feel like maybe, yeah, maybe that's whatever. Maybe that's not right. But like in, for me, I am not going to let them call me names. No, same thing. I'm not going to let, and if they say. And I don't let them call you names or me, you know, like I think it's a thing. It's also worse. We back each other up in those instances too, where it is just like, yep, no, you, you can't hit mommy. You can't, you know, like you can't speak like that. And if he says like, he, he said like, Wu is really into saying like, it's all your fault. Like it's all your fault, whatever. Mm -hmm. Or like, and I don't like you. And if he's expressing a feeling like that, mm-hmm. not just like a name calling yeah. or whatever. I that's when I say the thing of like, wow, you must be so upset. Yes, you you seem so so upset to say something like that. Not like, not saying like I know you don't mean that. You know, it's like not saying that. Just being like, wow, like you're really upset, and not taking the bait of that. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that when they're older, you can't just like let them call you names and say shit like that. You know, like. Even yeah. even if he was like, I hate you, I still think I would say like, I would say like, oh, wow, that's that's like a really, you must be feeling a lot of pain right now. Like you feel mm-hmm. really angry versus like, you're stupid. Yeah. I'm not going to take that shit. You know, like I'm not going to say, I'm not. Yeah. Do you I see the difference? Is, like I do. Yeah. Because I think it's also, that's also how you can introduce some of the like, yeah, those are words we don't say kind of thing. You know, like those are where you can. Mm. you they can start to understand the power of words which i think is important even if now they don't have control over that they have no facilities Mm -hmm. to manage their vocabulary in a way that's actually effective they can't know what they don't know what the word stupid means they don't know what you know like even positive or negative they don't really have those tools but like i think it is okay it does mean they'll say it more probably in those instances mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, that's the one that really gets that mom. gets but under I, her skin. But, but I think there's... I think it's also okay. At some point, they ha- they, you know, they're, they're going to keep saying it, and you also you do need to curb it in some way. You have to curb it, and I think there there's something about they say like the like the way that you talk to them becomes how they talk to themselves. You know, Mm. and so I also think it's like the way if you can set up, if you can just like take a step back from the meltdown and think like how if if somebody if 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 our roles were reversed and someone was treating my child like like if 
so basically I become the child Mm -hmm. and this is somebody else being like aggressive, right? What do I want my child to say? And what I would want is like, like, I see that you're angry, but I'm not going to let you talk to me like that. And that's what I want. You know, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take abuse like that. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to let you hit me. I'm going to walk away and, and like, whatever, I'm going to move my body away from you, whatever it is. Yep. So that's why I always, I mean, this like best case scenario when I'm feeling very, very regulated myself, Mm -hmm. which is not always the not, not before T-ball. That's fucking sure. But yeah, I feel like I try to do that because yeah, I think now that it's post toddler mm-hmm. and they do have some idea like they said something they said something on the way home from school this was like months ago about like murdering people and yeah. i full on stopped the car and i was like kids you can't joke about that if you joke about that like there there are consequences to that so that's right like like I don't think I stopped the car. I was like at a stoplight, but I was mm-hmm. just like very, very much like, look, because we we are very silly in our house and we talk like we I we let, joke about a lot of stuff. We joke yeah. a lot about a lot of stuff, but like it was like, I can't have you saying that at school. Yeah. Whatever you just said, you need to stop saying it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. need to know. And uh, and I'm always happy to like explain what things mean, but like you said, like there's just a limit to their understanding of of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would love to, I would love to know more about like meltdowns in older kids because I just don't think that this really stops for a bit. Maybe it does. I don't think it does. I mean, I think it changes forms, but I don't know that it does through puberty like why would it it just feels like you're maybe it just lessons i hope yeah or i mean they learn their own coping strategies and so then it's like yeah how can you set them up best to receive that stuff i there is something about this as like the parent parent who's not a parent in this movie is max max von sidow where it's like father Father Marin, where like he's done an exorcism before and he comes in and they're all kind of whispering it's like that one almost killed him you yeah. know, they're like he's on his. <laughs> they don't know how much he's got like left in the tank. Well, he's and only I, got a few of those little, um, those little smints left. Yes, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> you got to use those sparingly. He's and, taking. He only has like three scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's taking these little tiny pills out of this little tiny tiny container. Baby aspirin with shake, or something. Shaky hands. Mm-hmm. I did love Smints as a kid. I don't know about you, but yeah, it's a solid, solid Smint. <laughs> um, and our kids love the. They do love of tiny mints and tiny, tiny Altoids. <laughs> um, Altoids Smalls. Yeah, I, but that's the that's the trick. If anybody, if any listeners have have tips, if you've lived through this, if there's something you wish you'd done differently, or something that was very successful for you, or here for it, you know where yeah. to find us. Um, it, it's a it is. It's just. It's just tricky. But I do think you're right. I do feel, and there are even times where I feel good about just being like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away from this. Like yes. where I do say that's like, if you're gonna be loud and you're gonna scream, I don't have to sit here and listen to you. Like I've, yeah. I've said, you know, I'm here. If you need me, if you need something from me, I can get. You know, mm-hmm. you need a glass of water or tissue. You want to 
have a hug, you want to read us, you know, like if there's something I can do to help you manage this, I'm here for you Mm -hmm. and letting them know that it's like, but that it still is exhausting Mm -hmm. to deal with. I don't love it when I express that, but I do (laughs) feel that way. It's very true. You have to be authentic because what happens is if you're, we both do this of like kind of parroting, parroting the the like the the motions of of respectful parenting and it sounds like shit when you're not authentic like it sounds like patronizing like it doesn't if Mm. you're not really connecting with the kid it's not good so i feel like it's better to in those moments to walk away but like or to do all those things that you just said before you walk away of like i'm here for you but like i'm gonna Mm. give you a minute whereas with with boo he is still i mean he's four so like he's on he's still on the cusp of like he will he will he will be completely full-on possessed um meltdown and like writhing and just screaming at us Mm -hmm. and um saying like go away go away and i know that you and i both kind of like butt heads about this because I've read that when they say that, they don't really mean that. They want they want you to stay and they're scared of their big feelings and they don't want you to be scared because then they feel like completely out of control. Mm-hmm. So, cuz you're obviously like just instinctually that, you know, if you if a kid's saying go away, you would say like, "Okay, well, I'm I'll right. Give you some space. I'll give you some yeah. space." And that makes sense too, but like I'm just, you know, trying out that advice, you know, and and it does work. I think either way, like they're going to be fine. They know where that we, they know that we're there, you know? Yeah. It's tough. It's just very, it's very challenging. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's exhausting. Yeah, it is. And especially when it, to me, it really like flies in the face of so much of their respectful parenting or like my big issues with it that have never changed are like, yeah, but how does this fit into like a society where you have to do things on a schedule when it's just like, well, if it's yeah. like I have to wait for you to calm down or we have to like, I have to pick you up and leave the store. Well, actually today when we were leaving the mm-hmm. farm and I had to run through the gift shop exit, uh, you know, like the sort of farmer's market area of it while he's screaming at the top of his lungs. Basically I'm slung over my shoulder. And it's like, I have to keep your feet away from me so you don't kick me. Cause I don't, I don't want you to kick me. Yeah. And we have to, I was like, we have to leave here right now because you're being really loud and it's, inter- yeah. you know, it's interfering with everyone else's like yeah. day at the farm. So I need to, we need to go. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, exiting the situation it's not like oh, i'm the, you know i'm not mm-hmm. gonna like sit there and let him have a tantrum inside the uh farmer's market no. or whatever but yeah. it is it, it's also there are times when that's unrealistic you're like well we still gotta stay at the grocery store i'm not gonna put all this stuff back on the shelves or come back later this is the time we kind of have this now so mm-hmm. like even if we're leaving now i'm checking out mm-hmm. i'm gonna go and then we'll you know yeah, or like we've got to like so try tough. to like you know mellow you out quickly and then and yeah anyway and then and also the the respectful parenting piece about being the cool calm ceo Mm -hmm. a common refrain of janet lansbury and i'm Mm -hmm. like yeah cool calm ceo is not going to let themselves be yelled at or whatever Mm -hmm. or will say like okay like we've i hear what you're saying and i'm you know like i think there is also something about that that (laughs) that does that there is a line 
for that too that where like it stops making sense without like being without overemphasizing the office nature of like the different kind of relationship that you're inside an office with your underlings and your you know and mm-hmm. you being in charge it's just a there still is something to be said for like okay we don't we don't do that here like that's not mm-hmm. that's not part of the company culture mm-hmm. so we're right. gonna stop like i'm, I'm it's like yeah. woo says you're fired yeah you're fired <laughs> yeah oh he invented that phrase he, he did popularized yeah. it anyway <laughs> well anyway yeah if you've got tips for us we're here for him and if we find other more helpful things out you know we'll be sharing them right here yeah it's very exciting well you know we're gonna get to the exorcist too eventually so maybe we'll that's circle true. back speaking of the exorcist too you might be wondering it's Mummy and Betty's <gasps> Totally Awesome. Where are they now? What? Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. All right. Look at you might be thinking we're going to talk Linda Blair. And you might be thinking that Carol is going to do Where Are They Now? But you're incorrect. I'm going to, on both counts, it's my time. <laughs> I have a Where Are They Now. Where's Josh now? He's doing Where Are They Now? That's right. Start from the bottom. Now we hear. Um, <laughs> And looking up The Exorcist about whether or not it's a true story and I needed to verify some names and some things like that, uh, came across a a Screen Rant article mm-hmm. that talked about our actually not Robbie Doe, but Roland Doe. Oh, the original Roland Doe is that Roland Doe pizza donut <laughs> he's, shop? He's rolling in dough. Okay. That's a good. Oh yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good one. Um, he was the the victim of or whatever the subject of an exorcism in 1949 in Maryland. Uh, over 75 years after that initial incident, uh, there is. A lot of experts think that they found the identity of Roland Doe, and is a, a was a boy named Roland Hunkler, and the reason why they were able to find this out is that he died uh, just before he turned eighty six in twenty twenty, um, and he had spent his entire career as a NASA engineer, and he helped land people on the moon in 1969 what yeah that's um, freaking nuts yep he helped patent technology to make space shuttle panels resistant to extreme heat for the apollo missions and the extreme heat of hell and that's right um yep but he, he worked there for 40 years and uh and that was uh that's what roland hunkler did in his time after he was exercised. Um, wow. Is, that, I mean, look, based on a true story, why aren't we just, why aren't we just rolling in that dough? Oh, why is he? Like, just make that move. Like, that's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. You like, could just make, you could like, just make the rolling story. Of, I mean, it's very, it could be like a sci-fi thing of like sci-fi horror of like intertwined with his like NASA days and, I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Well, keep your eyes out for that. Keep your eyes peeled for the next thing. Um, but keep so your he's eyes dead. R- oh, that's R.I.P. I thought you were going to say he died of COVID, and I got really sad. No, oh, that's a good point. No, no, not died, as far as I know. Died just died of, of old age. Natural causes. Mm-hmm. Lived a quiet life. Did not want 
the exorcism part of things to dominate his biography. Well, sorry. It's blown wide open now, <laughs> Roland. Wow, those are really good. Where are they now? Thank you so much. I may allow you to do more in the future. Um, all right, we got one more segment before we rate this movie. Mm. <laughs> That's right. The kids are creepy, all right. Oh my gosh, they're so creepy. They're so creepy that there are so many tiny little bits um, built up over the past month and a half <laughs> since we we had our last episode that I was like, I can't believe we haven't talked about X, Y, and Z. So, okay, the first one. Yeah, let's do. How many are you going to do tonight? No, okay, I can just do the one. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fine. Ooh, suspense, you guys. There's more. There's more. Um, okay, so uh, I guess suffice it to say that Boo has a lot of death anxiety right now. Yes. And it's a completely different kind than what Wu went through at the same age. Wu's was far more intellectual. Like, it kept him up at night, but it was much more like what I experienced as a kid, which was what I called the void, mm -hmm. where, like, I would just ruminate about about just nothingness yeah nothingness infinity yeah, yeah, of, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of, of, of not existing yes um and i think that that's what Wu went through and it felt very it felt very very um relatable and i could talk to him about it openly um and we still do but with boo it's much more emotional and you know he has really taken on a lot of anxiety and curiosity even. Yeah, definitely. He's um, super curious and can be very matter of fact about it at times. And other yeah. times it's more like separation, anxiety and being worried about dying. Yeah. 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 Um, like, for instance, I explain, I was explaining the concept of unconditional love because it came up in a book mm. and he I was like, and I love you guys unconditionally. Like, um, you know, no matter what you do, I love you. And he just crumpled his face. Just, he started crying and he goes, um, like, I want doggy. Like it, when I die, will I have doggy with me? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like heartbreaking shit like that. So he'll come out with those things. Anyway, I had picked him up from school. And that is a prime meltdown time because he's he needs a snack and yep. he's just woken up and he's very disoriented and um and it's usually the car is usually hot so he's freaking yep. he's usually freaking the out. The sun is on that side of the car and he hates it. Well, I park different. I'll tell you. Oh that. wow! Yeah, okay. okay, nice. So, yeah. Oh, oh you're yeah. backing in. <laughs> backing in. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, just Good it, is, move. it does get very hot, so I try to you know also trying to avoid a meltdown, but mm -hmm. um. So we're driving from his school to Wu's school and um, the music's on and he's saying something and I'm like, wait, what? And I turn the music off and he just very quietly goes, I want the inside of my coffin to be soft. Boom. And I was like, oh, 
my my goth my goth child i love you so much but he was i mean he wasn't crying or anything but he was very serious yes and it's very it's the most boo thing ever because he loves comfort snuggly just wants soft things like he's obsessed with death well (laughs) so put them together and yeah and but also like soft animals and stuff yes so yeah it was pretty creepy it really like it really stopped me in my tracks oh yeah and he's (laughs) since repeated it right didn't he say that same thing again at one point probably i mean that's as wild and then but there's a bunch more we'll share more Uh, more from boo certainly coming we continued um all right should, should we rate the exorcist let's rate the exorcist all right um josh okay Do we start with the movie or the kids? The movie. Okay. This movie. Oh, God. The thing I didn't talk about with this movie is just the gruesomeness of it. Mm. It, It's so... it's so grotesque and obviously yeah. like that's what that was the goal. Visceral. It's visceral and um and it and it I, I stand by the fact that sometimes uh worse is better when it comes to special effects mm-hmm. because you you it be, the, that it isn't so real makes it in some ways more scary sometimes sometimes less scary but anyway um in this movie like the gross out stuff is yeah. still very gross uh, yeah i think because it's not awesome. it's not realistic but it's still very very gross yeah um okay so all right how many baby aspirin smints do you give this movie out of 25? Oh my gosh. That's well, a good number. It is how many he has in that little thing. You counted. Wow. All right. I subitized. You subitized. We'll talk more about that on a future episode. <laughs> um, I would give it 21 out of 25 smints. Huh. I think the only thing that's difficult to um separate from it now is the number of movies that have ripped it off over the years i mean this is truly Mm. one of the first this came out at the end of 1973 short of alfred hitchcock movies and like the old monster movies like there is it's like this texas chainsaw massacre like these are like the birth of Rosemary's Modern. Baby. Rosemary's Baby is the pre- is the predecessor, right? Like that's probably mm-hmm. the only the only one that's really like out before it. I'm sure there's a couple I'm forgetting that people will correct me about, but there's yeah, those early, I mean early 70s movies that are just, you know, that since then everybody's been trying to make it and there and so like I think it is hard to look at it as original. Mm. I cannot imagine seeing that at the time. It no. probably blew fucking minds wide open somebody like broke their jaw when they fell over they like fell out of their chair and broke their jaw incredible that did not embarrassing biography yeah but it's it's really well done 
I love the cast of the movie. Um, I even like the Iraqi pl- prologue. I like. I like it. It just seems like there's more to it that just isn't getting on the film. Yeah, but... like they don't really get into like. The, I mean, I think the idea is the statue is a statue of the demon, and so it's like Max von Sydow is knows that like knows this particular evil or has had like contact with it or something or it knows him you know there's like something about but that. where's the statue is like in the attic or something like where it's not there it eventually like i think appears at some point or something but it it's appears just like... like on the face of yeah him, of of her yeah yeah but but like how does like what's the connection know. yeah that's the thing but that's like... a, yeah that's what i mean it's just sort of like has it been on earth or it's like watching them or whatever but anyway point is it's cool it's creepy uh it looks great the cast is awesome um ellen burson's not gonna take it from anybody (laughs) you know what she is gonna do though what she's gonna start off very upset um Uh very like she's gonna no sorry she's gonna start off um like sad and distraught Uh and then she's gonna go really 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 big yes and yell and then say duh I can't yeah. express my anger anymore and every scene she has she does it literally every, every single one ramp it oh, up man. take it down yeah good oh. good mom bad father movie but her performance is like sadly underwhelming in this this uh, viewing really made me just I like it I, I'm into it I think it is funny that she does that over and over again but I don't necessarily blame her for that either Um, but that's a uh, I mean, this also feels right. It's well, like she the, has her troubles. It's also the accurate response. Oh, you know a scene she doesn't do that in? When Reagan sleepwalks into the room and pees on the on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Also a great parenting moment. Yeah, well, that's Sweeps like the out. very beginning of it. Yeah. Still, she could have been, especially at that time, you yeah. would expect yeah, yeah. the parent to be like, no, she's a good embarrassed mom. me. She's a good mom. Yes. Um, um, okay. Anyway, 21 yeah. out of 25. How many smints do you give it out of twenty five? Um, I guess I guess I'm just gonna agree with twenty one. Okay, because I don't. I feel like twenty two is too high for how I feel about this movie, which it's is not that perfect. I do not really care to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I'm not like oh yeah this movie. Like even though the concepts are cool, like it just doesn't do it for me. This movie. I feel has, what you're saying. Yeah, like I, I feel like you should go lower. You know? No, but it, it it maybe last time I would have, but this time I I, I like have a respect for it mm-hmm. now, and I think the parenting part of it really um, is the the main part of it that got me there because I want that setup for so many movies of like what would you really do though? Like what would yes. you do? And then you know what you would do? You'd go to every single expert and you would get a brain scan and you mm-hmm. would try everything to help your kid. Oh, also he talked to actual psychiatrists about what they would do. Oh, amazing. How they would di- try to diagnose this. Right. Given these circumstances. Cool. And so all those procedures are what would really happen. Oh, they are so brutal. I mean mm-hmm. that, and then and it, it works so well as like a device because you you're so 
sad for Reagan and you mm-hmm. want you want so badly for you know like cuz she's not a shitty kid. No. And she um you see her like really descend into it of like mom what's wrong with me and that scene when she's like flopping on the mattress yeah she like really hurt her back and she was screaming for them to stop and they wouldn't i mm. mean there's lots of stuff like that on the set yeah, i mean I'm we, sure. i didn't even get into that we don't have time that's a different podcast but um yeah I'm sure anybody who who um you know is curious there's they probably already know there's a lot of that stuff with ellen burstein and Reagan, like they're treated really badly. Um, anyway, didn't make it into the autobiography as read by the author. Oh, no, can you believe that? Huh, weird. Um, how many, uh, how many basement ping pong tables do you give <laughs> the child of this movie out of five? basement ping pong tables really too many at that point you're operating a gaming hall and you'll need a license um oh i mean five you can't you can't fuck with linda blair i mean like she like she gave everything for this and she didn't get like this is it like this there really isn't much more to her career i mean i told you like i was looking up talk about where are they now mm-hmm. it's like an uncredited reporter in scream yeah which like, is insane that you no wouldn't like fully sense. stunt cast that and be like yeah. oh my god you're like what? Blair. what are you talking about maybe there's more to that story if anybody knows um but i just feel like she was really maybe like 12 when the when they shot it too yes, like she's playing she's her really real young. age i mean really like is there a better performance of any like how do you how do you even do that like it's unreal how good she is yeah and the, and the it, what's sad about it too is that like by all right re- that was the interesting thing in reading this or listening to this autobiography like putting william friedkin's career in a timeline where he had just won an oscar for the french connection gets to do this movie she she would have absolutely been she would have won an oscar oh yeah for this role but there was because the movie was so big there was an uncredited voice actor who did the demon voice who denied credit when they were recording it like she said i don't want the credit because i don't want it to detract from linda mm-hmm. blair from this kid mm-hmm. and then and i want to be part of like the mystery of the movie but then once it was really successful she was like fuck you you should you should have given me credit and then they went it was one of these things where like there was a sort of campaign of discrediting the film mm-hmm. with the academy and stuff like that and so in that like linda blair may have also been like a casualty of of that or at least wow. that's his telling where but i think that's like an it is an interesting angle where it's like, well, or even if you just took it on face value, we're like, well, who do we value? Like this voice actor who really like put yeah. it all out there and made this incredible. I mean, it is otherworldly. Oh yeah. Um, voice or the kid who, who made us care. And that's, mm-hmm. and so do we split this award in half and only give it to one of them or something, or then just go with option B. And so I do think that's where you get like, yeah. Anyway. So, it, but it is a crazy Mm. kind of postscript to it where well yeah she could have been an oscar winner at 12 and then 
Oh, boy. What. Anyway. Mm. How many? Five. <laughs> yeah. Top of the mountain. Like, yeah, she is one of those. It's like one yeah. of the best kid performances in a horror movie. For yeah. sure. We love you, Regan. As we call you. I've never said that before. Um, <laughs> Big Reaganites over here. That's there is say. something that I have said before, which is don't be a creep. <gasps> Get in touch. You can email us at mummyxsteady at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxsteady. Instagram at mummyxsteadypod. You can visit us on the internet for show notes and more at mummyxsteady.com, although I do have to update it. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And please, tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding is a drunken sing-along around the piano with all your theater buds. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. wrong with me? It's just like the doctor said, it's nerves, and that's all, okay? You just take your pills and you'll be fine, really.